the center of the message of the cross is interesting. The center of the message of the Bible is incredible because the Bible is all about promises, isn't it? Have you ever thought about that? One of the things that probably would be very interesting for us to do is just try to read Scripture and realize all the things that God has promised to us. That's what the whole story of the Bible is about. Think about this. Adam and Eve fell. Genesis 3, we just studied this. Promise immediately, right? God is frustrated with humanity. The flood. Promise right after that. Then Scripture starts to unfold and God picks a promised family to give us all a promise. Abraham, I will bless all people through you. A promise. Then He raises up a great leader as He starts a nation through Moses. Promises given if they will learn to obey. Then He relents and lets them have a king. And He raises up a great man named David to be king. Promises to David. There will be an eternal king that will always sit on your throne. And then you have the prophets. Page after page of promises that God's make. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall rest upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father. Page upon page upon page of promises. Page upon page upon page of expectations. Page upon page upon page of anticipation. Anticipation. Now that's not an easy thing, is it? Have you ever anticipated how something was going to be and then the reality of how it turned out was so far different from it? Have you ever had that experience? Have you ever hoped for something so strongly and wanted to experience it and it ended up becoming incredibly disappointed? You know what I'm talking about? You search for hours on Amazon for that very special something. You order it. It's promised that you will get free shipping and it will be there in two days. And when it comes, it is not at all what you wanted. And then you have to pay to send it back. The idea of joy and elation is a hard thing because joy is often smeared up with misery and challenge, isn't it? But at the center of the Christmas story is all of this anticipation realized. In fact, it is realized in several interesting ways. And it's capsulized in the word joy. Uh, Let's just read excerpts of the Christmas story again and see how joy filters into the whole story. So we have this promised king, and you see it, first of all, in, in Luke chapter 4, chapter 1, verses 41. At the beginning it says, And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb. 
This first picture you have of joy is this picture of this reality that there's an unborn child, Jesus, and there's another unborn child, John the Baptist. And when the two pregnant ladies greet each other or find out that they're there, the baby's response, all of creation shouted for joy. Think about that. An unborn baby rejoiced in the reality of the fact that God was going to keep His promises. You, you see how they respond. Elizabeth said this, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of our Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Think about that. A baby unborn leapt for joy. Now, I can remember when all of a sudden Nancy, we were having Stephen and she said, I can feel the baby. And I'm like, you just look bigger to me. But I can remember the day when she said, come here. And, and, and we would have these long discussions about the fact that I could feel the baby move. And we're like, what do you think it is? Do you think it's his elbow? you think it's his foot? Is it his little hiney? What, what's going on here? You know? But think about this. There was a joy that was so deep that even the one that would prepare the way for Jesus before he was born left for joy. This is what Mary said on that day. She said this, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Rejoice, joy. For He has looked on the humble estate of His servant, for, for behold, from now on, all generations will be called will call me blessed. Think about that. Mary realized that she was the vehicle of God's joy. I, I don't think that we realize that sometimes when we enter into a room, when we, we are in conversations with people, when we are the, we are the source of God's joy for people. Have you ever been just glad somebody showed up and said hey to you? You know? Have you, have you ever enjoyed the opportunity to just have an interaction with people? You know, some of you will come into my office, and the first thing you often say is, I know you're a really busy, Pastor, but I, I want to talk to you. And you know what? I'm never too busy to have conversations with anyone. Because there's a joy that builds inside me in conversation much better than looking at the computer or doing stuff. But we get to be the source of joy. Not only was that, but the universe rejoiced. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Think about that. Creation 
the creation celebrated. There was a star that said, Happy birthday, Jesus. <laughs> the universe itself rejoiced. A new star was born. And there were men that spent their whole life looking at the stars and reading all the stories and promises that went along with stars and knew all the stories about stars. And when they saw that star, they knew whose star it was. We came to worship the Jesus. The man whose star that is. Where is the king of the star? They traveled a great distance because they had read all the stories and they knew all the promises. And when they saw the star, they immediately responded to it. Now, Herod was a little bit flat-footed at that point, and all the people knew the promise but didn't think the star meant anything except for the ones who valued looking at stars. It says that after they went to Herod, it was explained where did they go, and after listening to the king, they went their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose before them until it came and rested on the place where the child was. And what did they do? And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, her mother, and they fell down and they worshipped him. Why? Because they had seen the promise and they believed the promise, and now they were experiencing the promise. And there was great joy. So we see the unborn experience joy. The universe, the heavens experience joy. The angels rejoiced. The same reason there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord showed around them and they were filled with fear. And what did the angel say? Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. Good news of great joy that will be for all people. And then it goes on to say, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. You see, the angels knew the promises. The angels had anticipated this moment. They were excited. And what did God do? God decided to declare the truth of the birth of His Son to the only people that were awake at the time, which was the shepherds. The lowest of low. The garbage keep keepers, you know, collectors. The ones that were working for 
minimum wage. And he let them know the truth. You know, when Stephen was born, I, I went to the store and I let everybody at that store know that I had a son. It didn't matter who they were. It just mattered that I had joy in my message and I wanted people to know. And if you happen to be in front of me, you might find it out. I was probably a little rude. Excuse me, can you move? I, I just had a son. <laughs> um, so where's the baby section? Because I, I just had a son. What did the shepherds do in response to this message? When the angels went away from there into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby laying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the baby. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. You see, the unborn left for joy. The universe displayed a star because of joy. The angels declared good news of great joy. Because the center of the message is the creator, is the birthplace of the king. And the good news, think about this, it says, we have good news for you. And what is the good news? The good news is that eventually the Savior who was born will be the Savior who dies for you. The good news today is the the promised King will bring you the good news that you can have a relationship with Him forever. You see, there are ways to respond. Elizabeth blessed because of the good news. Mary praised because of the good news. The wise men sought because of the good news. And the shepherds shared because of the good news of great joy. But here's my question to you today. What's up with our joy? What's up with our joy? You see, a lot of us struggle because the reality is that is the joy is often mixed with sorrow. As I pointed to the cross, we realized that the joy of the birth of the king would be the death of the king, right? The joy of the beginning of the king's life would be the sacrifice of the king's life. Joy is mixed with sorrow. And so what most often happens to us when it comes to the issue of joy and anticipation is instead of feeling joy, we let our joy be erased by our expectations and disappointments. That's the reality, isn't it? Sometimes we really struggle with joy. In fact, we struggle with being happy for other people. If we've really wanted a child and that isn't happening, we get mad at pregnant ladies because they are having what we want. 
If, if what we really wanted is a promotion and, and to do better and to make more, sometimes we struggle when somebody says, hey, I got a new job and I'm going to make twice as much as I did before. We, we, we struggle having joy. When sometimes when we dreamed about something and the reality of it is a nightmare, we struggle with joy. The sorrow and disappointment of life steals our joy. And so when we speak of the idea of joy, it's hard. So what do we need to do? We need to realize some things about joy and the Scripture speaks of joy. First of all, we need to have our joy restored. In Psalm chapter 52, verse 12, it says, Restore to me the joy of my salvation and upon me uphold me with a willing heart. We need to figure out what is going to be the source of our joy. And in the Scripture, it tells us that the thing that should give us the greatest joy is the fact that we are in relationship with Jesus Christ. That we have accepted the good news of great joy. That happened in most of your lives in this room. At some point in your lives, you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And that changed your life. There was a moment there, or even maybe a period of time there, where shame no longer was the issue because you were forgiven, right? There was a moment there where because of what you had just gotten from God in terms of relationship and eternity, some of the garbage that you dealt with every day didn't matter as much anymore. But all of a sudden, all of the cares of this world, all the challenges of this world become so overwhelming that the gift of joy, of great joy, gets washed away And it just doesn't matter as much anymore. There are people that should be sitting with us in church today and they're not here. Do you know why? Because something stole their joy. And the idea of being in God's house becomes optional. Why? Because my joy is gone and I don't really need to be there. So if you're struggling with joy, you need to ask God to restore the joy of being in relationship with Him. Joy needs to be celebrated. Jesus said this to His disciples, just I tell you, there is more joy in heaven before the angels over one sinner who repents. We need to remember that Salvation is a party. I always remember Cassie who said, I told all of you guys I was a Christian, so when I got saved, I I couldn't tell you I got saved. And so I missed out on the party. (laughs) We need to, to make sure that people getting saved is our celebration. And what? of our sorrows should be that maybe people aren't getting saved. It's been several months since we marked to salvation as a church. It's been a while since we filled the water of the baptism. We want that joy of celebrating 
new birth. Joy may need to be a celebration, but it might just need to be remembered. You know, the disciples went away on a missions trip, and during this missions trip, they were casting out demons, and they were healing people, and and it was great. And when they came together afterwards, they were just talking about this incredible experience they had. And Jesus said this in response to it. He said, Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Sometimes we have to just remember what God has already given us. The fact that He saved us. Remember that He prepared a way so that we came to faith in Him. When you look around you and you watch people that seem so unwilling, you're like, God, you sometimes get the idea that you were smarter than them. Boy, I just, I'm glad I figured it out. You know, I'm glad I'm more brilliant than all these people who are not figuring it out. No. God created a way for you. And we need to over and over again rejoice in the fact that we are His. And that He saved us. And that He reached into the craziness of our lives. And He made us His. That's part of the humility that comes along with every communion. Where we go, I still don't completely understand why you saved me, but I'm glad that you did. And even though I'm a messed up believer, I'm a messed up believer instead of just a messed up person. We need to remember and feel the joy of being saved. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says this. It was describing Jesus and it says this, that He set before Him the joy What for the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross, despising its shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, there are certain events in life that are not joyful. They're hard. But we always need to set joy in front of us and say, okay, you know what, this is hard, and and I'm struggling dealing with this, but I need to remember that beyond this, there's joy. That's why heaven has to be a hope to us. Because it says in heaven, what will He do? He says there will be no more sorrow and there will be no more pain and that He'll wipe away the tears from our eyes and that it will be an incredible time of celebration as we enter into that. But sometimes we are so caught up in this world... And the drama of this world and the challenges of, am I going to make enough money? Is, am I going to be able to take care of my kids' college education? Am I going to save enough for retirement? Am I, am I going to, am, am I going to need a medicine? Am I going to have to, have you ever watched the television commercials about medicine? I don't know why we'd want to take any of them. They explain, this is going to be awesome and there's flowers and everything's happy. And there's this guy talking in the background about every intestinal problem. And, um, you know, and your face is going to fall off and your eyes are going to start drooping and you're, you're, you know, and, and, and you're just like, why would I want to do this? There's no joy in medicine. Unless maybe it's the kind of medicine that makes you happy. And that's not even joyful. 
Do you know why? Because it just helps you stop caring about things. It doesn't mean that your problems stop. It's just like, so how are you today? The cat died. <laughs> you know, Zoloff. <laughs> it just makes you not care. Pain medicine doesn't take away the pain. It just makes you not care that you're in pain. You know, how are you feeling today? Great. I can't feel my legs, but I feel awesome. You see, the reality is, is that until we get to heaven, there's joy, but it's going to always be mixed with sorrow. Until Jesus Christ returns for a second time, his life wasn't just a life of joy, was it? It says that he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And then we get upset because life's a little hard and we're not happy. And we want to sing that little ditty that was out in the, the 90s, don't worry, be happy, and it doesn't work. You sing the song and then when you're done, you're still worried. And you're still not very happy. In the end of the book of Jude, it gives this as a benediction. And I just think it's wonderful because it speaks to the reality of joy. Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of His glory with great joy. You know, it's interesting. I, I looked up the idea of exceeding joy or great joy and it's only mentioned two times. It's mentioned about the birth of Jesus Christ and it's mentioned about our time in glory with God. He's going to present us with great glory to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory and majesty, dominion and authority before all time and now and forevermore. Amen. This benediction calls us to rejoice that there is a day that we will be the source of God's great joy because He will present us to His Father. I'd like to introduce to you Jim, Dad. I'd like to introduce to you Jeff, Dad. You know, when I do weddings, that's always the fun part. At the end when I go, ladies and gentlemen, it is my distinct joy to, for the very first time, introduce to you Mr. and Mrs. Arnold Magoodersnooter. You know, I, I love that moment when I get to introduce them for the very first time. And what do we do when the couples that are introduced for the first time? We always clap, don't we? Yay, they're married. They have no idea what they just got into. <laughs> because marriage is a metaphor of joy, isn't it? Mixed with sorrow. Because marriage is a metaphor of life. And life is joy mixed with sorrow. But what so often happens is the sorrow quenches and steals our joy. So for you and me today, 
I pray that God will over and over again restore the joy of our salvation. As we wait on the promise of being presented with great joy. For some of you, though, today, your life is still bound up in happiness. You just want to be happy. And for some of you who do not know Jesus Christ, I want to tell you that that is a false promise. That you don't need to be happy. You need to be forgiven. And that's why Christ died on the cross. Not to erase the sadness in your life, but to forgive the disappointment, especially we have in ourselves because we know better and we sin. And so if you've never asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior, I encourage you to accept the message of exceeding joy that God sent Jesus Christ to die for you. Romans John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His Son. That's the gift. That if we believe in Him, we could have eternal life. I pray that today would be the day that you would accept Jesus Christ's gift and you'd let Him be your Savior. And for the rest of you, I pray that the joy of your salvation would be constantly brought back to you so in the middle of life's sorrows you still find joy. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for the fact that you are a God that kept your promises. And, and I thank you for the fact that the unborn and the angelic and even the heavens themselves declared the message of great joy. I thank You for the fact that many of us have seen how You prepared a way for us and we have humbled ourselves and we have begun a relationship with You. And we're learning how to live joyfully in this life filled with sorrow. I also pray for the people that are still investigating a relationship with You. And I pray that today would be the day of salvation for them that at this moment they would pray this prayer and say, Dear God, forgive me. Thank You for the gift of eternal life. Thank You that Your Son sacrificed His life for me so that I could have relationship with You. Be my Savior. Thank You for dying on the cross for me. God, in those simple words, so many of us have already come to faith in You. And in those simple words, maybe somebody new came to faith in You. And God, I, I know that there are disappointments in life and sometimes our dreams turn into nightmares. But I pray that our relationship with You would be the joy that we could cling to in the midst of everything else. God, today, if we need that joy Restore it, I pray that You would restore it. If we need to remember the joy of being saved, I pray that we remember that today. God, if we need to stop being surprised 
by the sorrow that's filled with joy, I pray that we would remind ourselves of our Savior who saw joy beyond the sorrow of dying for sin. God, I pray that we would look with great anticipation to the reality that by being saved, that someday You will present us to Your Father. And that will be another moment of great joy. And we look forward to that moment. Come quickly, Lord, we pray. Amen. Charlie got one for us to sing as we close today.